This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. We have a great guest for this episode as we are talking about patterns of physical activity across the lifespan for prevention of chronic diseases. Our guest has done his PhD thesis related to socioeconomic determinants and sedentary behavior in adolescents based on a data set from Brazilian birth cohort study. Currently, he is working as a research fellow at the University of Queensland in Australia. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, Dr. Gregor Milk. Welcome, Gregor. Hi, Oli. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me here. It's a great pleasure uh, to be here and have a, this nice chat. Oh. Yeah, pleasure to have you. So if we start with how, how do you approach physical activity in, in your research? So uh, my research is basically the way that I see or I understand physical activity. Um, it's I understand physical activity as a behavior that is determined by many factors and particularly or especially social determinants. Uh, social context, cultural context, and uh, other factors that in- lead someone to decide or to, to be active or inactive. So that is one arm, one approach that I see the research in physical activity. So as from my PhD thesis, I start to gain interest in understanding what are the social determinants of physical activity and sedentary behavior especially because I come from Brazil and uh, because in Brazil, social inequalities or uh, income inequalities are a, it's a huge, a big, big problem. And they impact a lot in physical activity. So was, that is kind of my, my background on understanding why some people are active or inactive. We focus on social determinants. So that is, I'd say that is one arm of my research. The other arm of my research is understanding patterns of physical activity throughout the life course uh, and understanding the uh, different ways how people accumulate physical activity and how these different patterns of accumulation of physical activity, they impact uh, health outcomes and which populational groups they are more likely to engage in different patterns of, of physical activity. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. So, so how do people actually accumulate their physical activity during their their lifespan? So they accumulate that in many different ways, and it actually, these really depends on the life stage that they are. And by patterns of accumulation, uh, we f- we can understand that in, I think, at least two different ways. So, one is patterns of accumulation in a week or within a week, a day. So it's actually what you do today and tomorrow. And if you do physical activity in the morning, in the evenings, uh, if you spread your physical activity in one across the week or just do that in one, two days or sessions per week. So that is one thing. 
and you can also incorporate their uh, different intensities. So you might be someone that uh, do a lot of light intensity physical activity during the day and you don't do anything more vigorous, but you also can see, can be someone that does a lot of vigorous intensity activity. So this is one way to look at patterns and that varies by factors like age, employment situation, socioeconomic position, that is also also related to the domains of physical activity where people do their physical activity, whether for leisure time, for recreation, or for transportation, or for occupational physical activity. So this is one way to look at patterns in my point of view. The other way to look at patterns of phys- accumulation of physical activity is more related to the amount of physical activity that you do in different parts of or periods of your life. So for example, you might relate to some of these patterns, but I re- I definitely I relate to some some of these patterns. So for example, you might be very very active when you are adolescent and then became become inactive or opposite you can be someone that was uh, was very very inactive and then became very active. And we have lots of change in physical activity during the life course. And I think that one really interesting thing to, some really interesting research questions that we have to still to respond are related to these different patterns of accumulation during the life course as well. So, for example, if we just make the case, and I'm using my personal example here, I'm a former athlete let's say that way so from my during my adolescence from when i was 13 years old until i was 21 years old i was um i was training for track and field basically running 400 meters so basically i was training five six days per week training a lot and then after that i stopped and i spent a lot of time like doing more light intensity or not doing much physical activity. My, the, one of the questions that I have is to what extent, for example, all the physical activity that I accumulated early in my life actually impacts on my health now and in my health in the future. So this is, I think, is one way to understand patterns of physical activity or accumulation as well. Yeah, very, very, very interesting. And and what kind of things you have found? You said that, for example, some people are are active when they are young and some are opposite. How does it, is there some really interesting point related, for example, light intensity activity to moderate vigorous intensity activity that, that we can kind of use in the, in the promotion or policy that we can, we can use? So some things that uh, from my, not only from my research, but from the researchers that I've been working with, and research that I'm not working with, but they ha- have been doing research in this field as well. Uh, we have some life transitions that really impact on physical activity. So, for example, one of the one transition is the transition from adolescence to adulthood. That is change physical activity, and really, usually, that makes people decline their physical activity level because you start commitments. Uh, you go to the to uni, you start working. So physical activity just for many people don't 
is not a priority anymore. So that is one thing. Uh, we have other periods in life as well that really change physical activity level of people. So uh, recently I've been working more with women's health. It's, uh, here in Australia, we have some cohort studies that focus on women's health. And for example, pregnancy is a period of life that really impacts on physical activity of women. Uh, we just used a study from one of the studies from Pelotas where we look looked at physical activity levels before, during, and after pregnancy in women. And we found that the it takes about four years after pregnancy to women to return to their physical activity levels prior pregnancy. So this is one example of how a life event, a major life event impacts on levels of physical activity. From Professor Wendy Brow that uh, I work with here in, at uh, UQ, she has some really interesting data about major life events and physical activity in women in different life stage. So basically what she found uh, using data from this large study of women's health here in Australia is that physical activity in women decline uh, from age, from 20s to age 30s, 40s, really declines. And then from age 50 to 60s, it increases again because for some, one of, some of the reasons are because the children, they leave home because they, uh, it's, it used to be the time when people retired. So basically we have more time. And then from age 70s, 80s, again, physical decline because physical function as well. So I think these are some of the events that, some examples of uh, events, major life events that impact on physical activity as well. Yeah, in interesting points. So you said that it takes four years after the pregnancy to get to the same levels. Have you studied what are the reasons? Is it like changed priorities in life or what, what kind of things are affecting this one? Uh, so for this example, we are still exploring that, but from previous research and from some preliminary analysis that we we've, uh, did from using this data, one major determinant of increasing levels of physical activity is availability and social support. And actually social support mean, in this case means people that could uh, can look after the children of so and that actually is a more is a cultural thing i would say so it's kind of a social support in that sense that pregnant women or women in postpartum they have social support they have family support they have support from the society as well so then they can return to physical activity level so that is one factor Another factor that is really important, I think, is, again, and that comes to the social determinants of health and the importance of income and education for as a predictor of physical activity. We observed from this data from Pelotas, for example, that if we compare women with different levels uh, of education, so we have different, different levels of formal education, we observe the same pattern of decrease of physical activity and increase, but women that are with that have high education that have a university uh, degree, 
they are much much more active than women that don't have a uh, that have like basic levels of education or they have only they have less than higher higher school as well and what is interesting or or sad actually is that if you look at women with low education their physical activity levels four years after after the pregnancy that is that level of physical activity is still lower than the physical activity level of women with higher education 12 months after pregnancy, which is the period with the lowest level of physical activity in this uh, time period. So again, it points out that physical activity, and that's something that I really advocate for, is not only a matter of choice. Physical activity is a matter of opportunity. It's a matter of the support that you receive. It's a matter of the uh, the social environment that you are or the chance that you have to be active. It's not just a matter of, okay, I want to be active, I'm going to be active. So, for example, this is a specific case in women. Women can't, some women, they it's not a priority, so they would rather spend time with children than do physical activity. That can be one case. Uh, but for some women, uh, that's not the case because due to the social, the cultural context, for some women, they have to uh, take care of their children. So that is something that we need to consider when promoting physical activity, in my point of view. Yeah. So so you said that the education is important factor, how quickly women return to physical activity after pregnancy. and And how do you see there's probably knowledge difference, there's social support. What kind of things are the most important if you have looked them more closely and what could we do to improve the situation? So in this case, um, education is a really a proxy of social, social, socioeconomic position. So it's, it measures knowledge. So usually women with higher education, they have more access, they have more knowledge of the benefits or the harms, potential harms. That's one thing. In Specifically in the case of Brazil, and I think, and I would say that these findings, they can be applied to other countries as well. But particularly in, context, in the Brazilian context, that is a matter of access that people have to physical activity facilities. So, for example, in this study, we actually assessed leisure time physical activity. In Brazil, getting a little bit better now, but leisure time physical activity is still restricted to private space. So if you want to do any leisure time physical activity, you need to pay to have access to some facilities or to go to a public space, usually those public space, they are in, located in neighbors where women, they are already from higher socioeconomic position groups. So that is one way that like socioeconomic position impacts physical activity. So in my point of view, one way to overcome that it would be creating public policies that would help to develop uh, facilities and uh, improve access to physical activity facilities for women, for not only women, but people with different uh, socioeconomic position uh, or background as well. And also increase uh, safety of streets because that is a really important determinant of physical activity in women. 
in women and old people as well, older people as well. So I think it's paying attention to paying attention to these details. Uh, that would be something um, to to be considered. And and how do you see you have been doing studies from Brazilian data and and so on? How do you see the difference between low and middle income countries and countries which are well off? How how do you see the differences there in in the patterns and and different things? So what I, I I've seen is overall social determinants of fiscal activity they are really important both in low and middle in, uh, low middle and high income countries. So we tend to have the same pattern. If we just think about leisure time fiscal activity, people that uh, are from high that have high social position they tend to be more active in leisure time than people that are from that have low social position or are from low social position groups. But, and this is the only observation, I haven't, I don't have any specific data on that. And that's something that is in my list of things to do. Overall, the gaps or the difference between low and high social position groups in terms of prevalence or level of physical activity, I think they are higher in low and middle social position groups. Not because uh, higher levels of physical activity in high socioeconomic position groups, but because in low and middle income countries, the physical activity levels, leisure time physical activity levels in l- low socioeconomic position groups is really, really low. So I think that is a, something to, that is one observation that I have, or um, that the gap is much, much higher in low and middle uh, income countries. This podcast is sponsored by Fibion. Uh, my name is Dr. Paul Batman, and I'd like to just say a few words about Fibion. Um, I've used it a number of times on different projects that I've been involved in and find that it's incredibly reliable, very valid and incredibly sturdy. I, I love the graphics that come with it. It really is very clear and could easily see the active in and active periods as well. So I'd certainly recommend Fibion to anyone that's interested in finding out more about sedentary behaviour, particularly the concept of sitting and how we can possibly break it up with some really good, valid information. Fibion, from researchers to researchers. And how do you see related to research data and what kind of participants we have in the studies? I was I was doing a recording with Andreas Holterman and he was telling that most of the data we have about effects of physical activity come from from white collar workers and we don't really have from blue collar workers that for them they are actually really physically active so they need different kind of guidelines for their activity how do you see this for the mm-hmm. low and middle income countries where probably mo- more people are doing physical jobs and and there's many other differences so how do you see see do we have enough data from from these countries uh, that's a really important point, Oli. Both in terms of health promotion and promotion of promotion of physical activity, but also in terms of research and understanding the causal links uh, between physical activity and health outcomes. So I don't like to ge- make it generalize that, but yes, we have many studies that uh, explore the relationships between physical activity and health outcomes 
that uh, were overrepresented of people that are healthy, wise, and uh, healthy, as Andrea said. So we need to think that uh, most of the findings, they are, we can generalize mostly for these populational groups, right? So that is an important point. But also, if we think about the findings that we have that come from study from studies conducted in low and middle income countries and from studies that are from high income countries most of the evidence that we have even from uh, blue colors they are still coming from high income countries and the context of movement the Context in terms of the confounders, that is something that is really important in observational research. That is what most of us are doing or most of my colleagues uh, do, including myself. It's really important to consider. So if we think that the world population, I think is nearly 85% of the world's population live in low and middle income countries. So 85% and more than or close to 90% of the research outputs, they come from high-income countries. So basically, we are doing research where people don't live. Or So this is really important to consider because all the causal, causal links that we observed, they come from place where we don't have, that do not represent the world population. That's one point. And this is really important, as I said before, if we think about the, the relationships uh, between confounders, uh, uh, sociodemographic confounders and physical activity or sedentary behavior, this is really important to consider because if we do a, a study and we make adjustments in terms of analysis for confounders in a place where the population is quite homogeneous in terms of the confounders, we still have the effect of the confounder in our in our findings. So we can't control for a potential confounder when there is not enough variability in our sample, right? So I think this is an important thing to consider. Yeah. And how, how is it in your data when you have analyzed? Are you only looking like the lesser time physical activity? And, and if not, is it actually that more activity is better for the health outcome. So how do you how how is this this relationship? I've been looking more at leisure time physical activity, sedentary time, and a little bit on transportation physical activity. I still haven't looked much on occupational physical activity. So that uh, that is something that I'm uh, gain. I'm interested. I'm also interested, but I'm aware that is. Sometimes the measure of physical activity, occupational physical activity is not great. So from a physical activity, from a promotion, health promotion perspective, I still believe that promoting leisure time physical activity and transportation or promoting physical activity in these two domains is really important. And so I still, I'm still focused more in leisure time and transportation physical activity. And yeah, I, I, I don't know how is the length of the work days, for example, in blue collar workers in Brazil, but I I would guess they are longer on average than, for example, in Denmark, where the Andreas data comes from. 
and and even in in the shorter days the occupational physical activity is actually already a health risk do you see that there's a big differences between between different countries in in this regard it might be definitely it might might be the case the pattern of accumulation of physical activity might be totally different the length of the the a daily work might be different as well that is a really that's a really really important point from brazil from our data uh, one of the reasons as well why i don't we don't have or the research that i've been involved uh, doesn't focus much on occupational physical activity yet is because I've been working with some birth cohort studies from from Brazil, and from these birth cohort studies, we follow participants since they were born, and at this time they are still young adolescents and only starting the adult adulthood or adult life. So most of them are not exposed to occupational physical activity yet. So we still don't have enough data or good good data to explore relationships between occupational physical activity and health outcomes from these birth cohort studies but definitely i'd see that i'd say that in four five six years we'll be able to start to explore more and more the role of occupational physical activity on health outcomes in these cohort studies and and how you said that you also also have been examining the sedentary behavior so how how does it look the the patterns of sedentary behavior so to exemplify or to give you an example of the patterns of sedentary behavior and the importance of having research in different countries i can share with you some of the findings from my phd thesis where we look uh, we did a systematic review with meta analysis and we look at the relationship between socioeconomic position and screen time in adolescence. So the main finding from this study was that when you look at studies that investigated socioeconomic position and screen time in high-income countries, we found a relationship, we found that adolescents from low socioeconomic position groups, they they spend more time in screen they spent they had more screen time so they spend more time sitting more time in front of tv video games computer and so on so more socio- lower socioeconomic position higher sitting time this is in in high income countries when we look at the studies that investigated that association in countries in low and middle income countries we observed a different association so basically Uh, adolescents with high socioeconomic position, they spend more time sitting, more time in front of screen, uh, computer, video games. And this is really important because, again, if you think about health outcomes, so if you think about health outcomes, usually health outcomes, they are much worse in people with low socioeconomic position, right? So when we investigate in high-income countries, the relationship between high sitting time and health outcomes it might be it might be with uh, that some of these these effect of high sitting time is not actually because of high sitting time that is because we have in the high sitting time group lots of people from low socioeconomic position with not with uh, bad health outcomes right so when we observe that relationship is actually 
It's not a relationship caused by high sitting time. It's caused by low social composition. This is one example. But then the importance of having this same kind of analysis in low and middle income countries is because if we actually, if it's true that the high sitting time cause X, let's say here X, that association should also be present in a, in a context where high socioeconomic position that implies in good health or is related to good health is more, is a determinant of high sitting time. Does it make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we have discussed now half an hour. Let's leave the transitions to adulthood in the second part. But one, one more question related to low and middle income countries. How do you see the, the resources of researchers? How, how much you have research resources to actually do research in, in these countries and what could be done to improve the situation that we would actually have have data from from there? Well, that's a very important point, Oli. Uh, and actually, good research is only possible with funding, regardless of where where you you are in the world. So good research is only possible with funding, with funding from long periods, not short, like short funding for studies that can be conducted in one, two years, like these cohort studies, they are really expensive and they take years to be conducted. Unfortunately, we have been seeing lots of research funding being cut in many different places and especially in low, uh, I don't know if that's the case in all low and middle income countries. I can uh, tell what's the, the situation in Brazil. It's been uh, dramatically cut, the research fundings, for not only for health research, uh, uh, but for science overall. So that means that it's getting harder and harder to collect good quality data from in these countries. Usually to do research, uh, all the insumes, everything that we need from research is we need to buy using uh, the currency, currency is dollars, American dollars. And then because the economies on this country sometimes is not great, it's makes much hard, even harder to buy insumes and equipments to do research, good quality research there. So I can tell you, like, in, in Brazil is a chaos now, unfortunately. And I was just reading the news today that the budget from the agents, the main, main research agents in Brazil, that is the, that is, that agency is responsible to fund research all the research that we have in, in in a country with 200 million people, so not only health res, health related research, the budget from that agents for this year is going to be only six million dollars. So six million dollars is nothing. That's what some research groups they receive in one single grant in other countries. So just to make the contracts, just to to put that in context and how difficult that uh, can be sometimes and let's not go too much into politics but i guess this is with the populistic government and and so it's kind of easy to cut the research it's it causes problems in the long run but maybe makes the economy looks better in a short run yeah maybe yeah 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 and maybe maybe last question how how do you see the gender balance in 
in researchers and research participants in in for example in Brazil how how is the balance so we still need more research in women's health we still need more women as like in doing research in leader leadership of research we need more women in science definitely and we as society as a research community we definitely need to embrace we need to recognize that and we need to do i think everything that is in our power to increase participation of women in research and in uh, in research as well yeah yeah that's that's good let's let's finish this part here so thank you Krekor, for taking the part for this recording thank you very much it's my pleasure Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.